Good morning, church. Come on, how are we doing? Come on, let's just get ready to worship this morning. Oh, my God. 
places, Lord, that we don't really understand ourselves. God, we welcome you in there, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come minister to our hearts, Lord. Lord, come accept our song of worship and praise to you, Jesus. Lord, we lay our, we lay our tribulations and our difficulties and our doubts in your hands, God.
love to say your names, oh God. <laughs> Elohim, Adonai, El Shaddai, especially this time of year, Emmanuel. God, you came to us. You walked with us. You experienced everything we experience. And then you died for us, giving us the greatest gift we will ever know. And we can't even fathom it. But we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you all glory, honor, and praise. Flow down on us, Holy Spirit. Bring to us a better understanding of just what Jesus did. Place it deep into our hearts, Lord. Let us remember it every moment of every day. Bring it to our minds. Remind us what has been done for us. And let us just praise you and worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. We worship you and praise you. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. Worship is getting to me every Sunday. It's worse and worse. I have to have Kleenex like right in my hand all the time. <laughs> it's better and better. You are right. Welcome to Redeeming Love. My name is Allison, and I'm just so glad to have you all here with us today. And all of you who are listening and watching online, welcome as well. You are very welcome to be with us as well. And we continue you consider you part of our group here today. Here at Redeeming Love. We have a vision to engage God, engage church, and engage culture. And one of those ways that we engage with you is um, our engagement card. So I'm gonna give you a chance to go ahead and start filling that out as I'm going through some of these announcements. And you have time to go ahead and, and continue filling it out. Welcome to our first time guests. If there's anybody here who has never been here before, welcome, we are so glad to have you here. We want you to make sure and stop by our Connect Corner, right over, right over there with a beautiful Christmas tree, to pick up a gift from us to you. And uh, we just love having you join us today. There are two Christmas Eve services, 10 a.m. and 12. Is that 12 noon? 12 noon. So invite your friends and family. There are posters available. Beautiful, beautiful posters available. If you have a place to, po I'll do it this way. If you have a place to post this somewhere, they are available as you go out the door. So make sure and pick one up and post it. We want it posted everywhere, everywhere we possibly can get it, okay? So make sure and pick that up. Angel Tree gifts are due today. And um, so please return the gifts in the Connect Corner. That's the 
the tree right there. So make sure and deliver those gifts there. We still need people to help deliver gifts to families. So you can sign up in the Connect Corner or see Stephanie Femba. Stephanie, are you here? Raise your hand. There you go. That's Stephanie. God bless her. <laughs> thank you, Stephanie. Also, thank you to those who came out on Thursday to beautify the church for Christmas. Is this not awesome or what? This is just beautiful. I love, I love the silhouettes. Just wonderful. Thank you so much for all of those who did that. They are beautiful, and they helped to bring us into that frame of worship of this incredible season of our Lord Jesus Christ. Want to right now just have you reach out your hands to your sides, or if there are no kids around you, just reach out. And we want to pray these kids into Engaged Church. Father in heaven, we just thank you for these little ones. Oh, that our faith would be as big as some of these little ones' faiths are. <laughs> Amazing. Lord, we just ask you to increase their faith every day. Increase their faith today, Lord. Ask that you would bless the teachers, that they would say the words that the, these kids need to hear, Lord. That you would put the words in their mouths to bring joy to these kids and a better understanding of this amazing time of year and the gift that you gave, Lord. We just pray that they would accept you and love you. Place that love deep in their hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids, you are excused for Engaged Church. Pastor Matt will be right up to bring a message, another message in our sermon series, Divine Healing, after these video announcements. church. How's everybody doing today? Hey, um, we're going to be taking communion this morning. So if you're watching online with us and uh, just grab some juice and some cracker, we're going to take communion here at the end. If, you, if you're here in the room and you didn't get communion, just raise your hand and the ushers can bring you some. Um, today I want to talk about, we've been, we've been talking about divine healing, different aspects of it. And today I want to talk about some obstacles to healing, some obstacles that stand in our way when we seek healing from God. And so we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, today kicks off our Kingdom Builders offering. It's our end of the year offering we take every year. 
And uh, so we do this from uh, mid-December through mid-January, begins today. And so you have time, pray about what God would lead you to give. An email went out this week. You should have gotten that email. If you didn't talk to the Connect Corner, they can get make sure you're getting that email. Uh, going to cover three areas this year. We're going to cover uh, benevolence, like we always do, because we want to take care of the poor. We want to cover outreach, because we believe that we're to be outside the church. And we're going to cover, uh, at least in part, uh, new chairs and new carpet. So we got new chairs and new carpet coming. So praise the Lord. Amen. Good, 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 good. Amen. Pray about what you would give to that. Um, again, that's going to cover in part the chairs and the carpeting, obviously uh, the entirety of what we bring in through Kingdom Builders, unless you guys blow it up, right? So the goal is 15000 If you guys blow it up, we could cover the whole thing, but uh, just a portion, that's going to cover just a portion of the chairs and the carpeting because uh, they sorely need replacement. Um, so let's just jump in today. Amen? Amen. Lord, we just thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence, which is already so sweet amongst us right now. And God, we just pray that you would minister to each one of us today. God, that we would open up our hearts to your word this morning as it comes. And Lord, that we would sit with you in sweet fellowship and we would receive healing from you today, deep in our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, if I move through the slides fast, that's okay. It's scripture. Write it down. Go back and read it again later. Um, 22 slides, so you guys are in for it. Obstacles to healing. So that's today's message. Sometimes, guys, when we seek healing from God, there are some things that get in the way that prevent us from acquiring our healing from God. And I want to talk about a few of those things today. Number one is wrong theology or wrong bad doctrine, right? If you believe that God does not heal today, then it's going to be very difficult for me, even if I'm full of faith, to bring healing to you. Right? Jesus, when he was in the town of Nazareth, when he was in his hometown, it says he could do very few miracles there because of their unbelief. So if you're filled with unbelief that God can't do it, then he won't do it. What limited Jesus? The people's unbelief. So if we have wrong doctrine, it'll actually get in the way. We actually have to believe that God does it actually heal. I mean, we've seen it here dozens and dozens, fifties, hundreds of times we've seen God heal. But you have to actively believe it. You have to actually believe it. If you don't believe that God can heal, then, then God's not going to heal. Let's look at a scripture. Acts 10, 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. It is my belief that God wants to heal every single person who is sick. It is my belief that there is not one person that God does not want to heal. Sometimes there's things that get in the way. Sometimes there may be something that stops up the flow. Sometimes there may be something. And uh, we're going to address a bunch of those things today. Third John chapter 1, verse 2 says this. It says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so there is this correlation that we see between a healthy soul and a healthy body. I pray that you prosper in all things and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And so as our soul, as our spirit, as our 
comes to a place of healing and wholeness through the sanctification process of God, through seeking God, through asking forgiveness, through all of these different things. We're going to touch on a bunch of them today. As we go through all of these things and we bring healing to our soul, our body comes in line with that. And when our soul gets healed, our body gets healed. A couple of quotes from the healing book that we use for our Healing 101 class uh, from page 175. Uh, the book we use is The Essential Guide to Healing by Bill Johnson and Randy Clark. Two quotes, 85% of all sickness originates in the mind. Not that it is imagined, just that it has its roots in an unhealthy thought life. Let me read that again. 85% of all sickness originates in the mind. Not that it is imagined. It's not that you're making this up. But it has its roots in, it begins with an unhealthy thought life. The next quote here. Things like anxiety, regret, bitterness, anger, hatred, unforgiveness, and jealousy are known killers. Known killers. There's just recently, there's a link between um, anxiety and cortisol, which causes cancer. Uh, is, is cortisol the right, the right? Um, okay. So there's a link. The, the more stressed you are, the more anxious, right? The worse it's going to go. The, and this is all from scripture. It's all stuff that scripture told us to get right in our life. And so there's all of these things. How many times do we have, an, uh, oftentimes autoimmune disease are connected to either poor self-image, uh, a, a self-hatred, or, or some sort of uh, poor view of ourselves. And I say all this, listen, as I say all this today, there's no judgment. There's no judgment, right? As we talk about all these things, I have to be clear, there's no judgment. There's absolutely no judgment. If you have a poor self-image, I don't judge you for that, right? That's there because of something that happened. We're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about anxiety. If you have any of, any of those things, there's no judgment today. My heart is that you, you would get over all of these things, that you would forgive, that you would not have anxiety, that you would fix a poor self-image because I want you to, just as, just as John says, I, I, I pray that you may prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. The one thing that I want for every person in this room is I want your soul to be prosperous. I want your heart to be right. I want your heart to be 100% completely healed. And then what's going to happen by default is that your body will come into line. Your body will come into line. We're going to keep going. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 30. Uh, it says this. It says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Talking about communion, which we're going to do at the end of the service today. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And because of this, for this reason, many are weak and sick and have died prematurely many sleep, or have died prematurely. And so because we haven't taken communion, or when we've taken communion, because we haven't examined our hearts right, because we haven't said, Lord, is there somebody that I need to forgive? Lord, I repent of this sin. 
Lord, I, I'm tired of dealing with anxiety. Because of any of these things, because we haven't done it right, it, it, this is what, because of this, for this reason, many are weak and sick and, have, and sleep or have died prematurely. And so we're going to take communion at the end today. But what I, what I endeavor to do all throughout, the, all throughout the message today is I just want to encourage you as we speak on each one of these things, begin to examine yourself. Begin to examine yourself. Let the Holy Spirit put his fingers on things today. And before he even does that, position your heart so that you can surrender those things to him. Because he could put his finger on something and you could just say, no, nah, I'm not giving that up. And as we go through today and as, you, as we go through uh, forgiveness and repentance and as we go through these things, people will be healed today just by simply repenting. Amen. Amen. There was um, having a conversation with somebody and they said, yeah, I know a minister who won't take communion only once or twice a year because of this scripture, because he doesn't want to have to examine himself. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> right? No. No, we should be taking scripture. We should be taking communion every day. I mean, I want to take it every day. I want to examine my heart every day. I want to every day come before the Lord with a clean heart. And if I get sick by the, by the, uh, then I'm going to doubly examine. Lord, is there something I'm missing? It's not always the reason. James 5, 13 through 16, is there anyone among you that's suffering? Let him pray. Is there anyone that's cheerful? Let him sing psalms. If there, is there anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The word saved there is sozos. Sozos means saved, healed, delivered. The prayer of faith will save you, it will heal you, and it will deliver you. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And so here we see a direct correlation between forgiveness of sin and healing. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's so much here in this scripture. We could just camp here all day. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. One of the, what makes prayer, what makes prayer so effective? It's the fervency with which we pray. It's our passion. It's the ability to get our heart to connect with the prayer. So when somebody throws out a prayer request, hey, pray for so-and-so, Right, My challenge, your challenge, our challenge is to connect our heart with the issue and pray with passion. Pray with fervency. Confess your sins to one another. Confess your trespasses to one another. You know, this is something that we've really kind of missed a little bit in the um, non-denominational churches, right, is this idea of confession. Many of us, if you've ever come out of a denominational type church, uh, some, some of those had uh, really good, you know, the really emphasis on confession, except that I don't think that they really did it right. You know, my heart or my belief here is not that you're supposed to confess to the pastor or the priest. That's not what it says. It doesn't say confess to the priest or pastor. It says confess your trespasses to one another. 
to one another. You know who the person is going to keep you most accountable is? The person who sees you the most. Who sees you the most? Your spouse, your brother, right? Who's, who's, who's your comrade at arms? Who are your, who are your men that will go to the well with you? Who are your men that are, are your ride and die? Who are those guys? Get together with them. Be real. Get authentic. Say, hey, listen, I struggle with this. I struggle with this. <laughs> Sin is never a comfortable topic. That's okay. I'm not here to make you comfortable today. Confess your sins to one another. I want to encourage you. Find someone. Those who want to go fast, go alone. But those who, who want to go far, go together. We're not called to do this on our own. There are no such things as spiritual Rambos. I know that's dating us. Most of you don't get that. You don't get that reference. We don't do it alone. Find a group. Find some brothers. And just run together. It's about, it's about community, guys. It's about uh, being with one another. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and he said to him, see that you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. As we pray for healing, as we minister healing, if there's, sin in a life, if there's sin in a person's life, oftentimes I won't know it, right? Because I'm not Jesus. <laughs> if I was Jesus, I would know everything. And if I was Jesus, you're simply walking into my presence would cause you to repent and want to live a holy lifestyle. Let's look at the scriptures. Jesus is walking through the city. Zacchaeus climbs a tree so that he can see him. Jesus goes to the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to dine at your house tonight. Zacchaeus gets out of the tree. And what does he say? Jesus just said, hey, I'm coming to your house. And what does Zacchaeus say? He says, half of everything that I have, I'm giving to the poor. And if I've stolen anything from anybody, I'm going to pay him back four times. I'm here to tell you that guy's getting poor quick. He didn't have that much money. But he promises to give half of it away to the poor and then pay back everybody that stole four times. This is true repentance. And what does Jesus say? What is Jesus' response in this moment? He says, truly repentance has come to this house. Truly salvation has come to this house. He's talking about Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus is saved. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm going to eat at your house. And he got saved. I'm going to have to learn to do this. Hey, I'm coming to your house for dinner. Salvation. Wow. This is, I'm not Jesus. Right? If I was, when you walked in, you'd be convicted of your sin immediately. I mean, some of you are. Maybe. I don't know. And, but then all that Jesus has to say is go and sin no more. Right? You've been forget. Go and sin no more. And so sin and healing, they're connected. We have to have sin out of our life. And so um, we're going to do a healing line here at the end today too. And so if there's anything that, that you need, I mean, we're going to go through communion. But as we're going through um, the healing line today, if there's something that you feel you need to confess to one of the people that are up here on the prayer team, 
feel free to do that because everything is kept confidential. We're huge on confidentiality. Nothing is ever, ever shared. Hebrews 12, 12 through 13, it says, Therefore, strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble needs and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. And so what the scripture is saying is that as we walk in obedience, rather than bringing sickness, it'll bring healing. As we walk in obedience, as we do what the Lord has told us to do and called us to do, it won't lead to sickness. It'll actually lead to healing. And so some of us today, we need to, you know, walk that straight path. We need to come to a place of forgiveness. We need to do the right thing. Some of us, for some of us, it's, it's not necessarily sin. It's, it's just obeying the Lord. The Bible says to him to know, who knows what to do, he, to him who knows what is right and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And so it might be that the, the Lord's been putting it on your heart that you're supposed to be one of those people that delivers the angel tree gifts. And you're like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. that. If the Lord put that on your heart and you said, no, that's sin. And so as we uh, make straight the paths for our feet, as we just simply do what the Lord has, has called us to do, as we just simply walk this thing out day after day after day, Instead of going towards sickness, we're going to go, to go towards healing. And so we just need to be obedient to the Lord in all things. Obedience causes healing. Matthew 18. Next, next one we're going to touch on is forgiveness. Matthew 18, 33 through 35. Jesus said, should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him over to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father will also do to you if each one of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. And so this is a very long parable, and I cut it for sake of just being here today. So if you want to read more about it, go to Matthew 18. It starts at about verse 18, and it runs through the end. But here's the point, is that when we choose not to forgive others, God turns us over to the torturer. Who's the torturer? the enemy of our souls. And what does he do? He, he afflicts us with sickness. And what does Jesus do? Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. And so as we have unforgiveness in our life, and this goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which we read earlier, because we haven't examined our heart, if there's unforgiveness in our life, if we haven't forgiven someone, we're actually opening up a door and the enemy has entrance and we can be sick because we have unforgiveness in our heart. Unforgiveness is huge to the Lord. I've said this before. I, I'll say it again. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Unforgiveness is huge. We have to come to a place where we forgive people. We have to. Somebody say have to. Forgive. It's not an option. It's not optional. Well, if you guys keep repeating me all day, this is going to be a longer message than we thought. But I love your enthusiasm. We have to forgive. We have to forgive. Forgiveness is not optional. Jesus goes through the scriptures, tells us all different types of things. One thing that he tells us over and over and over and over again, dozen times at least in each gospel, forgive, 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 forgive. How many times does he tell us not to lust? Once. 
I'm not saying that we shouldn't, I'm not saying that lust is okay. It's not. I'm just saying that I think that forgiveness, unforgiveness, it's a much bigger deal. I'm not saying that lust is okay. It's still sin. I just think that it's a bigger deal if we walk in unforgiveness towards people. And the difficult thing is, how do you know? How do you know? A few few lies that keep us in unforgiveness. There's a few lies that we believe that lock us in and keep us into unforgiveness. And I'm going to read them to you. Number one, um, we believe that if we forgive, we won't get justice. One of the lies that we believe as to why we refuse to forgive is that if we forgive, we won't get justice. The Bible says, trust him who judges justly. Right? Jesus, God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And so do you want them to be punished by your unforgiveness or do you want to turn them over to the Lord and let the Lord deal with them? I think that the Lord will deal with them much better than my unforgiveness because me holding unforgiveness towards them actually only hurts me. Number two, we think that um, holding on to unforgiveness justifies our own bad behavior. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me, Pastor Matt. Behaving this way isn't okay. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me, right? And so holding on to unforgiveness in our own mind justifies our bad behavior. I can act, I can act this way because gives us a reason. We believe that, uh, one of the lies, we believe that if we forgive the person, we have to trust the person again. Not true. Not true. Not true. I can forgive somebody, and now I know their character unless they prove to me differently, and I've forgiven them fully and completely in my heart. But I know their character, and I don't have to trust them the same way that I did before. Number four, um, we believe that our feelings are our convictions. (laughs) one of the lies that keeps us in unforgiveness is that we believe that our feelings are our convictions and because we feel a certain way we have to believe a certain way and that's not true at all that's actually the opposite of the way that it's supposed to be our convictions are actually supposed to dictate our feelings When I come to the place where I know that I forgive and I have forgiven and I choose to forgive, even if I'm working on it, my feelings come in line with what I've believed, not the other way around. The last lie is that we we believe that we can't forgive until we've worked through the pain. Again, it's a lie. We forgive and then healing comes. Instead, we're holding on to the unforgiveness and we're, we're living in the pain, waiting for the pain to end before we choose to forgive. Forgive and let the healing come and the pain will go. Unforgiveness has to go. Anxiety. Talking about, um, we're talking about obstacles to healing. Anxiety. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression but a good word makes it bad. It's right here, guys, black and white in the word. Anxiety causes depression. 
Stress will kill you. Worry will kill you. Jesus said, do not worry. And I know, you know, if you've grown up in the world and you've grown up doing the things of the world, behaving the way that the world believes, you know, we, when stress comes, we just worry. This is just what you do. I'm supposed to worry. What do you mean you're not going to worry? You, don't you care? <laughs> Lie. Don't you, do you not care? How can you not worry? Well, I don't worry. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. And so if we want to give ourselves over to worry and anxiety, we're inviting depression in. We're inviting this, this, uh, this less than state of our soul or less than state of our heart to rule in us because we've allowed anxiety or worry in. Stress and anxiety are two different things. I want to say this. Stress and anxiety are two different things. Anxiety and worry are the same, but stress is something totally different. We all receive stress in our life. When I push down on the pulpit, it receives stress. It worrying whether or not it'll support me is worry. The, the, the pulpit doesn't have a, a mind, so it can't worry when I put my weight on it, but it receives the stress of my weight. The same thing is true in life. Events happen. People ask us to do something or whatever. We have lists of things to do, and that's a stress on us. How we choose to handle that and think through that, that's where the worry comes in. That's where the anxiety comes in. And it's all in how we process it. Some of us are able to take different levels of stress the same way that different pulpits can take different weights of weight, different amounts of weight. Matthew 6, 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. So Jesus commanded us, do not worry. Anxiety will lead to sickness. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew chapter 6, there's a whole section there on worry. Don't worry. Envy and jealousy. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. A tender and tranquil heart will make you healthy, but jealousy can make you sick. Again, right in Proverbs, guys. It's right in the words. Envy will rot the bones. Envy will kill you. Comparison will kill you. Right? Comparing yourself to another person, wishing you had what they had, being jealous of other people, it will kill you. It will wear on you. It will wear you down. And so these are some of the things that make us sick. And so these are some of the things that will hinder healing from flowing. And so um, as, a, as, a, as a healing minister, I'm always listening to the Holy Spirit. I want to know, Lord, is there something that's preventing this person from, from getting healing? Occasionally, the Lord will, will give me something Envy, anxiety, sin. Most of the time, the Holy Spirit doesn't. Most of, the, most of the time, the Holy Spirit, I find, speaks to the person receiving the prayer, at least with me. Once in a while, the Lord will give me something. But more often than not, it's the person that's receiving prayer. 
the Holy Spirit will prompt me and say, there's something in the way here. And so I might say to the person, uh, hey, you know, um, I'm just feeling like there's something that's just standing in the way of prayer. Let's just pray for a minute. You pray with me and let's see if the Holy Spirit will reveal to either you or me what that is. Because we want to work through that. Jesus was able to work through that because he had a full and complete connection with the Father. As much as, you know, my wife tells me that I'm like Jesus all the time, my connection is not what Jesus's was. <laughs> we'll be talking, my wife and I, we talk all the time. We'll be talking about something. And she's like, that's just because you're just like Jesus. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Thanks, honey. You're so nice. Contrary to common belief, my connection's not that good. Now, maybe it's better than I think. You know, maybe this is the reason why people are intimidated when they walk into my presence all the time. Maybe it's just Jesus that emanates from me. They feel it, and they're like, oh, my gosh, he knows everything. <laughs> well, I mean, Jesus does, and you feel him in me, but I don't. He hasn't told me everything. It's hilarious. Maybe it's funnier for me. Anger. <laughs> Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Anger only causes harm. Anger only causes harm. There's a scripture and it says, uh, be angry and do not sin. And because that one scripture exists, most of us believe that we can be angry and it's okay. But I'm here to tell you that 99.99999% of the time, anger's wrong. <laughs> Most of the time, anger's wrong or it'll lead you to a place that you're going to do something wrong or you're going to say, wind up saying something wrong. And so just get rid of anger. Put it out of your mind. Just end it. Just say, no, I won't be angry. I, obviously, I'm making it way simpler than it is. Um, you know, they have whole classes for this anger management class. I don't want to, I don't want to manage my anger. I want to get rid of it. Get rid of it. Give it to Jesus. Stop being angry. Trust him who judges justly, justly. Trust Jesus. Trust that God will work it out. I'm not seeing him work it out in certain cases, but I'm going to trust him. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so you can't be angry, don't be bitter, don't have wrath, no more clamoring, no more evil speaking, right? We're not just going to say like, oh, well, I didn't, I got mad, but I didn't get angry. <laughs> What did Jesus say? He said, it says don't murder, but I say, don't even say you idiot. <laughs> What's the new one? Y'all on drugs. I mean, they probably are, but. <laughs> oh, my Lord. There you go. There's all kinds of ones out there. Guys. Let's be as kind and as loving and as nice as we can be. You know what? If I just set my goal on not murdering somebody, I'm going to do all right. I mean, I won't do that. I think I can get over that hurdle. Made it. But if I set the bar on not saying any evil to anyone, 
right? It's like taking care of the pennies, the dollars take care of themselves, right? You, you, you track the pennies, the dollars take care of themselves. And so if I'm going to not speak evil of anyone, then there's no way that I would ever come to a place of murdering somebody. If I, if I set the bar that I don't want to lust, look lustfully at anything or anyone, then I don't ever have to worry about adultery. Adultery will never come into the, it, it, it doesn't even enter into the playing field. Why? Because the bar's set up here. I'm nowhere near, I'm nowhere even near the sin. Last thing I want to talk on, and I'm going to talk about this for just a few minutes, is unresolved disappointment. One of, the, one of the biggest things that will keep us from healing and seeing people healed, seeing ourselves healed, is unresolved disappointment. We've prayed for something, we've asked God for something, and it doesn't come. We don't get the answer that we thought that we were going to get. And if we don't resolve this in our hearts, that becomes an obstacle to healing. As we read through uh, one of the one of the books for, um, as we read through one of the books for uh, the healing class, it talked about how all of these atheists and agnostics and people who hated God all had an event where they believed God for something and then it didn't happen. And that was the mark of turning, where they turned away from the Lord and they began to hate the Lord. And so, what happened? They had unresolved disappointment in their life. They didn't work through the disappointment that came. Mourning will lead us one of two places. If we mourn and we mourn properly and the comforter comes, it will lead us into deeper intimacy with God. But if when we mourn, we don't mourn with the Lord, it actually has the, the, the opportunity to push us away from God. And so we have to choose how we do that. And disappointment is like that. When we have disappointment, we're actually mourning the loss of something that we wanted from the Lord that we're not getting. And so when we come to this place of mourning over, over a disappointment of what we didn't get that we thought that we were going to get, we need to do it properly. We need to do it with the Holy Spirit. We need to be real with God. And when disappointment comes and I don't get the thing that I wanted I go to the Lord and I'm honest with him, but I never bring accusations at him because it won't help. It, actually, me bringing an accusation, the only thing that's going to do is that's going to set me up for having to walk through more forgiveness later because now I've got to ask God to forgive me for saying the things that I said. But I want to be real with the Lord. God, I, I'm, I'm really upset that I didn't get that thing that I thought that I was going to get. I, I'm really upset that I, that prayer didn't get answered the way that I thought that it was going to get answered. And what it really comes back to is it comes back to trust. How much can we trust the Lord? And the answer to that question is, is that we can trust him fully and we can trust him with everything. How much do we trust the Lord? How much are we ready to walk in? One of the biggest things that causes us to struggle with this disappointment is the fact that we believe that we have the right to know everything. We believe that we have the right to know everything. And I'm here to tell you today that you can't handle knowing everything. 
you can't even handle knowing a little. I'm just being honest, guys. It says that the, 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 the foolishness of God exceeds the wisdom of men. The foolishness of God exceeds the wisdom of men. He knows all things. He knows everything. Romans 8, 28, he works all things together for good for those who love Christ Jesus and are called according to his purposes. Okay, how does that work? When something bad happens, he turns around and makes something good out of it. Yeah, but did it mean that the bad thing had to happen in order for the good to come? Absolutely not. God has other ways. What are the other ways? I mean, we can't really, I couldn't really explain them to you. Many times, I'll pray to the Lord, and I, I'm always asking God, God, what do you want to do here? God, what do you want to do today? This is the prayer of my heart, because I don't want to do what I want to do today. I want to do what the Lord wants to do today. And so I'm asking, I'm saying, Lord, what do you want to do today? And a lot of times, he'll give me a prophetic word. He'll tell me, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. It's great. But then, you know, sometimes I'll walk into a room, and I'll be like, Lord, what do you want to do here? And I got nothing. He doesn't say nothing. It has my hearing stopped? I don't think so. I think that I'm just not able to carry the answer in that moment. Let's say uh, this is something that we, uh, th this is something that as a healing minister, I, I, I struggle with. Uh, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I struggle with this, and uh, I'm working through it. So, you know, I'll be praying for somebody who's sick and near death. Now, I will always pray for them for healing, right? It says that David received a word of the Lord that the child that he bore through Bathsheba was going to die. And what was David's response? He went in, and he fasted and prayed, and he, and he was petitioning the Lord for the life of the child, that the child would live. He didn't have a doctor's report that the child was going to die. He had the word of the Lord that the child was going to die. And David saw fit to fast and pray and ask the Lord for healing in that, issue, in that instance. And so you walk into a hotel, uh, hotel room, hospital room, and somebody's sick, and they're saying the prognosis isn't good, right? And so there's been times where I've asked the Lord and said, Lord, will this person live? Or will this person die? And I want the answer. And the Lord doesn't give it. Why? Because what am I going to do with it? How am I going to bring comfort? And more importantly, even if I can bring comfort, how do I bring faith through that situation? We, there's way too much going on here for us to really know. And so the Lord more times, more often than not, doesn't speak to me in situations like that. I've gotten to the point where uh, I, I guess I still humbly ask, uh, believe that the Lord would speak, but then it becomes like, okay, how do, I, how do I share that with faith? How do I, what do I do with that? And I know that, you know, that may seem like, but trust me, it's, it's because we can't carry the word that we don't get the word. It's because we can't share the knowledge properly that he doesn't speak in times couple scriptures, Matthew 1, 1, we're going to read for a bit here. It says, uh, now it came to pass when Jesus had finished commanding the 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John the Baptist had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said, are you the coming one or do we look for another? 
hold up. John the Baptist is in the River Jordan. He's baptizing people. He sees Jesus walk by, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knows who he's seeing. This is the Messiah. Then the next day, Jesus comes to John in the, ba- in the Jordan River and s- to be baptized by him. And John says, you've come to be baptized by me. I need to be baptized by you. The words of John the Baptist were, I baptize you with water, but there comes another who is greater, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, of whom I'm not even worthy to tie his shoelaces. He's coming. Jesus comes. He, this is it. He comes. He knows it's Jesus. And he says, I, you, you come to be baptized by me. I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus says, let it be permitted now so that all righteousness might be fulfilled, right? So that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And he baptizes him. And what happens? The sky splits open. It says the heavens were torn in two. And the Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon Jesus, descended and came to rest upon Jesus. John saw all this. He saw the whole thing. And here we are about three months later. And John says, are you the coming one? Are you kidding me? John saw amazing things. And there was still doubt. Why? Why? Because the word says that Jesus came to set free the captives. And what's happened to John? Now he's a captive. To set loose the prisoners. And now John's a prisoner. He's like, Jesus, this is the opposite of what I thought you were going to do. I was free and now I'm in prison. What gives? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things that you see and the things that you hear. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up to life, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who's not offended in me. Sometimes we just don't get the answer that we're looking for. Unresolved disappointment. We have to come come to the place where we're okay with the idea that God had a different answer in mind than we do, than we did. There's an old country song. Uh, Sometimes God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayer. It's true. I mean, sometimes we pray for things and they don't happen. And then in hindsight, we're like, wow, I'm really glad that that didn't happen. But sometimes uh, some of our biggest struggles are unanswered prayer. And sometimes those things that we struggle with, the things that didn't get answered, we, we never find out why. It's not like the country song where it's, we see it later that it was a gift of God that he didn't answer the prayer. We just see it later and we're like, I still don't know why. But Lord, I trust you. And so I'm not saying it's the easy, but we have to work through this. We have to find a way to work through unresolved disappointment. Mark 9, 17. Then one from the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, This is, you guys know this story too, because we've read it a bunch of times, Uh, who has a mute spirit and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, gnashing his teeth so he becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered and said, O faithless generation, speaking to his disciples, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, 
The spirit convulsed the boy greatly, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So Jesus asked the father, how long has the child been like this? And he said, from childhood. And often he throws them both into the fire, into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything at all, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child said, cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And so we're, we're looking at a situation where there is disappointment. This man brought his child to the disciples and they couldn't heal him. Jesus comes along and says, hey, what gives? The man tells the whole story and says, he's still not healed. And then says, Lord, if you can do anything at all, please heal my boy. There's still unresolved disappointment in his, in his heart. Jesus says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. He says, I believe. God, help my unbelief. And he admits to the Lord that as much as I do believe, there's still something there that is causing me to not believe. So God, please help me with that part of my heart that is unbelief. Help me with that part of my heart that's unbelief. Help me with those lies that have come from the enemy that have caused me not to believe in you. When we get rid of unbelief, faith becomes stronger. Faith as the size of a mustard seed will move mountains. So we don't need this huge faith. We just need good, strong faith. And when the weeds of unbelief grow up around our faith, our faith becomes weak. We need to deal with unbelief, and we need to get that out of us. Ask Jesus to remove it. Help me with my unbelief, as the Scripture says. God, I'm bringing this thing to you where I doubt. Help me with that, Lord. And when we get unbelief out of the way, faith grows strong. When Jesus saw the people running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, said to it, uh, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The spirit cried out and convulsed the, the boy greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. If I could just get somebody up on the piano here. We're going to take communion, and we're going to pray in a minute. As we get ready to take communion today, I want you to, right now, even before we read the next scripture, even before the piano hits the first key, just begin to reflect and ask God, God, what, what do I have that's a hindrance to healing today? God, what do I have that's an obstacle to my healing? You may not need physical healing in your body. You may need emotional healing. You may need spiritual healing. You may need uh, deep wounds that you know, are in your memory. You may need those things healed. God wants to heal it all this morning. One of the saddest things to me is, is people that are, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old, and they're like, I'm this way because of what my parents did to me when I was two. There's healing available for you today. There's healing available. I don't, it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It all matters to God. But I say that in the context of no matter what you've been through today, healing is available. Healing is available. Every tear is precious to the Lord. It says he keeps my tears in a bottle. 
Psalms, I think, 46. Precious to the Lord. He knows. He knows. But there's healing available. He, he actually came and he died for your healing so that you don't have to live like that anymore. The sozos, the salvation, the healing, and the deliverance. There's people who are going to be delivered of anger here today. There's some of you who you're going to be delivered of anger. You've struggled with anger for a long time. Today's the day it goes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For whoever eats or drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many have died prematurely. Lord, we come to you today. Lord, we ask that you would just begin to put your finger on things in our heart. God, tell us what has to go. God, tell us what you're not okay with. God, tell us what you want to deal with today. In 30 years of walking with the Lord, I found one thing, that the Lord is very gracious. He doesn't reveal everything all at once. If he did, we'd give up because we're a hopeless mess. But he's gracious. He'll put his finger on one thing at a time. We are changed from glory to glory until we are the image of the Lord until we are the representation of Jesus. Lord, what has to go today? Lord, what has to go today? As he was seated at the table, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And he said, as often as you eat this bread, do this in remembrance of me until I come again. Jesus, we thank you for your body, which bore the stripes for our healing which hung upon the cross for our sins. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you. We remember, Lord. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. When supper was ended, he took the cup, 
and he gave thanks and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It is given for the remission of sins. Do this as often as you drink this in remembrance of me. And so Jesus, we come together right now. And God, we just call to mind and we ask you for forgiveness, Lord. God, forgive us of any sin. God, forgive us of any anger. God, forgive us of any anxiety. God, I ask that you would help us with any unresolved disappointment. Lord, help us to forgive where we need to. Lord, help us to obey where we need to. God, if there's any jealousy or envy, God, we repent of that now. God, if there's any regret, God, we repent of that now. God, we want clean hearts before you today. Clean hearts before you today, Lord. Clean hearts before you today. anybody here you have pain in your body and you can test that pain and see if you've been healed at least a little bit has the pain changed at all you can test the pain that you were in and you can tell that the pain is different can anybody pain is gone anybody else anybody else healing's already begun to flow simply through the taking of communion I want to call the the healing class up Make a line right here across the front. We're going to have a prayer line. We're going to pray for the sick. So if you have been through the healing class this, this semester, I want to call you guys up. Stand right here on the, on the carpet in the front. We're going to take a moment of time, guys. There's no time like right, like right now in the presence of God to just take a moment and do what the Lord would have us to do. Come on. Come on. so if you're here and you need healing, come on up and get prayer. The, the healing team is here. They're ready to pray. They're willing to pray. If you have a need for healing in your body at all, anything, come on up. Any sickness, there's nothing too big. God can heal it all. There's nothing too small. There's nothing here that's a trouble to Jesus. There is a 